got together in camp, right? We talked about winning a trophy. And here we are, 90 minutes away from doing it. ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sebastian Salazar. And yes, it is the eve of the United States and Mexico's second ever participation in the CONCACAF Nations League, Herc, a tournament we at one point ridiculed, yet now is so important. I'm still ridiculing. (laughs) (laughs) It has importance, though. It has value. It has value. Some might say the same of this show. You can both ridicule it and yet... And yet, it has value. Lots to come in this edition of Football Americas. As you see right there on the bottom of the screen, we're going to have a Sam Borden one-on-one with Brendan Aronson as we continue our road to Qatar. We also have some shots fired from Rafa Marquez at a current member of the Mexican national team. We also, Herc, have qualifying rosters for the U.S. and Mexico ahead of World Cup and Olympic qualifying in the women's game. But let's start with the U.S. men's national team, Herc. They're going to begin their defense of their Nations League title Friday in Austin versus Grenada, exclusively in English on ESPN+. Also, by the way, Herc, the United States' last home game before the World Cup. Up next, it's away against El Salvador. Greg Berhalter is bringing pretty much what's available, what's healthy of his A team. And the U.S. manager spoke on the Americans' approach to the Nations League in Austin on Monday. If you look at these four games as a whole, right, the idea was to improve our team um, and to evaluate some players and to start the defense of the Nations League title. So, um, you know, we still have time to, to, to fit all those things into this trip. And we will use the next two games to evaluate players in different ways. So, you know, we're running out of game time to do that. We're going to have to use some players that we haven't used yet and, and give them the opportunity to prove themselves either in this game or the next. If you talk about evaluation, this is a really easy game because we're evaluating um, our mentality. We're evaluating our intensity, um, the ability to, to play in, in warm conditions, overcome that mentally. And um, it's about us. And I think that's, that's the important thing. That's the important message to the group is we're defending champs of the Nations League and we want to get off to a good start. And it means um, beating Granada tomorrow. Herc Greg Berhalter said a lot in his match day minus one press conference. He did not, however, give us a starting lineup. So should the U.S. starters be playing against a Grenada team that I will remind you is ranked 170th in the latest FIFA rankings? You also said the rankings don't matter. Uh, Yes, uh, starters core, if you will. Now, there seems to be people forgetting, there seem to be some people forgetting the few amount of games left from now until the World Cup. Mm. Okay, Uh, you have these two games and then you have a September FIFA fixture window with 
two more games. Seb, and then it's the World Cup. The players will be released from their clubs, and a week later, you will start the World Cup. So you essentially have four games to fine-tune, to tweak, to discover new players, to mess with any formation or player that you want. And you don't want to do it with fringe players. You want to do it with a base of players. It's an opportunity to work with said players. And listen, it may sound trivial, it may sound minute, but I like what he says about we start our defense of the Nations League Mm -hmm. title. I know we've ridiculed, we've made less of the tournament before, but it's a mentality, it's an approach. You want to win trophies. You want to be considered el gigante de CONCACAF, the CONCACAF giant. This is one of those steps. All right, look, if there's... If there's a reason to counter you, because I think you're right, at the end of the day, what Trump saw is there's only one international break left after this. There's only two games that the U.S. is going to play. So you need to have everybody together if you've got a young team like Greg Berhalter. However, the counter is is pretty obvious one, right? It's like, what are you actually going to get evaluating anybody, whether it's an individual or a team against the 170th ranked team in the world uh, like Grenada? This is a team that even didn't even get out of the first round of CONCACAF. World Cup qualifying. They were fourth in a group of five. The only team they finished ahead of Herc, the U.S. Virgin Islands. This is a very, very bad team. The other factor that you should consider here is risk. And it's not just injury risk to the guys that we always think about, which is your Christian Pulisic, your Weston McKinney's. I think we also have to point out the the risk of overuse to everybody, right? Because I think what we've seen in the last couple weeks, at least I felt it watching a lot of the UEFA Nations League game, is we're seeing a lot of tired legs from players right now. So if if we're thinking about the World Cup and keeping everybody healthy, then I at least see the point to not starting and not using everybody in a game against Grenada. Certainly this this level of competition. Maybe El Salvador's a a different level. But if if you think that the U.S. approach is correct, well, what do you think of Mexico's approach? Because it is is totally the opposite. It is very different. But but Mexico's a different team. They've proven they've been good, right? I mean, World Cup qualifying was... A cinch for them. It flew by. It was exactly what Tata Martino has sold the Mexican people and the Mexican Federation. It would be, right? This proactive, very free-flowing football in the final third, right? That's what it was, right? No, but I don't think you're gonna I don't think you're gonna find that in the Nations League. So let me ask you a question. What does Mexico struggle with the most today? Scoring goals. Scoring goals. Is it a lot easier to score goals on the Uruguays of the world, the Ecuadors <laughs> of the world, or Surinams of the world? Yes, it is easier, but I don't think, will those goals translate at anywhere else in the well, world? Let me tell you from being a goal scorer or trying to be a goal scorer <laughs> that when you score a goal, it gives you confidence, and that confidence gives you more goals. That's just the way it works. Uh, Players are about confidence. They're about going out there and feeling, going off instinct and not overthinking it. And when you can score goals, that's what you can do. Now, Mexico right now, I don't understand it because you've not played the way you want to play. And you spoke about the FIFA FIFA fixture window. I I mean, we're five months away, Seb. So whatever tired legs or injury you think Mm -hmm. could happen, like a, I don't know, a sore, sore muscle, sore hamstring, whatever, that's still five months away. I mean, let's not go out on a limb and say freak accidents because that could happen anywhere. It just seems like an opportunity lost for Tata Martino here. Yeah, I think what he's looking at is, is long-term health. And the difference between these two teams is age. Right, the U.S. is a lot younger That's team. True. I think That's you can push true. those guys a lot harder. Mexico's a lot older team, so Tata Martino has to manage minutes uh, quite a bit more, I think, than Greg Berhalter. All right, Herc. So we don't know the eleven for the game against Grenada on Friday. Right. Your homework 
was to pick what you wanted to see. So um, why don't we take a look then at Herc's starting 11 for the game on Friday, which of course is available for us exclusively in English here on ESPN+. Walk us through it real quick and then we'll get into some of the, the big decisions. What I'm seeing here is uh, is your starting 11. I'm not seeing a lot of changes, Herc, yeah. uh, from the team that we saw against Uruguay. I think you make you make five changes, but one of them's in goal, so make four field players, yeah. uh, if my count explain. is correct. Why, why are you not making more changes? Isn't Look. this the, the time to experiment and see yeah. others? Yeah, but I've got an issue when, when you say I've given said player a chance, but it was with a makeshift lineup or an alternative lineup. That's not giving the player a chance. Mm. So let players succeed or fail with some of the base starters, see how they do in relation to their counterparts. Now, Matt Turner is going to be in goal. Okay, I don't think you have an issue with that. Now, Anthony Robinson is probably going to eat up a majority of the minutes mm -hmm. for the U.S. Men's National Team in any game he plays, any tournament he's in. Uh, he's a big part up and down the field, goals and assists. He, he's a very important piece for Greg Berhalter. I know what I get out of him. But if he's not there, what is it, Serginho Deslot in the left-hand side? Mm -hmm. uh, then we have to figure out who plays on the right-hand side. Let me see what George Bello can offer me. Okay, that's why you brought him. Let's see what he can offer there. So George Bello is a very interesting player. He's got speed. He's very dynamic. He's very, very offensive. The guy has a knack for getting into the final third. He could be a very good player, good left foot on him. There's a few things we got to work on him, right? Mm -hmm. Defensive uh, discipline, tactical discipline especially. <clears throat> but I think you can get get there and get that with them. Now, staying in the back line. Walker Zimmerman's there, okay? You know Walker Zimmerman because you've seen him. We've done the Aaron Long, I guess, experiment. He wants to exhaust all options for Aaron Long. You've heard him. He values Aaron Long, and that's fine. But at some point in time, you've either got to make a decision with Aaron Long or you got to say, you know what? He's not there, and I know Chris Richards is here, but what about a, a guy that could go in with Walker Zimmerman? Now, Walker Zimmerman, he's going to be there. He's your guy. Miles Robinson goes down. He's in my eyes and, and many others, the de facto number one center back. So who can partner with them? Is that a Cameron Carter Vickers? Is that an Eric Palmer Brown? Uh, I went with Cameron Carter Vickers uh, in this go around to partner with Walker Zimmerman. I think you need to find him a partner. So I focus there on Walker Zimmerman. The next one is gonna be uh, Luca De La Torre. Now, I'm gonna take out Weston McKinney because Weston's coming off an injury and I know what I'm gonna get with Weston anyways. I know Weston's one of the lockdown starters, nobody's moving him. But I'm really intrigued with Luca De La Torre and his deep line playmaker, uh, as a deep line playmaker, excuse me. He could also play as a double six, as an eight. He's just glides so easily uh, through, through the midfield, through defenders. He's got a good sense of vision and, and awareness around him. Him. So I want to see what he can do with Adams there and Musa. I want to keep some relation with what has been going on. Those two know the system, okay? But what I will say at halftime, okay, well, let me go to Haji real quick, okay? I'm yeah. sorry. Let me go up top to Haji, okay? I want to concentrate on Haji for a second. The number nine, the enigma for the U.S. men's national team is that nine position. Now, I'm going to put in Haji right because I think right now I want to see more of him. But I want to see more of him with Christian Pulisic and Timothy Weah. This penalty right here, the fact that Christian Pulisic gave up the penalty and handed it to Haji Wright, who was making his debut with the U.S. men's national team, that, tell, that told me a hell of a lot. That 
told me he values Haji Wright and he wants to see Haji Wright succeed. So he wants to play with Haji Wright. Okay, I want to see Haji Wright succeed and play with these two, with Christian Pulisic and with Timothy Weah. Go ahead, Seb. I know you want to say something there. Well, so Haji Wright has a huge game against Grenada, scores four or five goals. How do you weigh that against Jesus Ferreira, who didn't score but was playing against better competition? Ah, good stuff, good stuff. How do you weigh it with Haji Wright playing in Europe and the other one doesn't play with the greatest competition in Major League Soccer? So you give and take. You value the performances by the relationships he builds with said players. That's exactly why I want to see Pulisic and Wayne next to him. What does that relationship look like? Because I agree with you. It is going to be Granada. It is going to be a lesser opponent, uh, with all due respect. So we have to, uh, that's going to carry some weight. We have to, uh, grain of salt there. Now, this is what I want to see happen at halftime, okay? I'm going to take Yunus Musa off. I know what Yunus can offer me, okay? I want to continue to see Luca De La Torre. Poor man's darling to Nagby, yes. Y yes, your words. You know exactly what he can offer you. <laughs> I, know, I know what he can offer me right now, okay? Uh, I want to see, next to Luca De La Torre and Tyler Adams, I want to see, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Malik Tillman. Malik Tillman's here for a reason. There was a discussion had, okay? The German Federation is upset that they lost him. Uh, they valued him. So if that discussion was had with Greg Berhalter, I assume it meant the possibilities about playing in the World Cup. Uh, not just the 2026, but maybe even Qatar. I wanna see what you're getting with Malik Tillman. I've heard how good he is in, in tight spaces. I've heard about his vision. I've heard about his box to box. I've heard about the knack he has for goals and assists for getting into that final third. I want to see myself in this first team setup. That's what I would do. That's what I want to see. Tillman, a player lots of people are excited about, no doubt. I'm interested, you, you got him trying to get into that crowded midfield instead of one of like the wide attacking positions or something like that. Speaking just from Tillman's perspective, what's his quickest ticket into the starting 11 or into playing time? Is it midfield or is it is it is it a different role? Well, just based on everything I've heard of him, it's got to be midfield and everything I'm hearing now, I know you think the midfield is crowded, but think about those wing positions. You're not going to play as a nine. Think about those wing positions. I mean, you're, you're fighting with some very good players. Where do you put Brendan Aronson? Where do you put Giovanni uh, Reyna? There, there's some names there. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Brendan Aronson, fresh off a move to Leeds, and recently he sat down for a one-on-one -on -one interview with Sam Borden. Let's listen in as our road to Qatar continues. It was always a dream of mine, you know, I always grew up wanting to go pro, wanting to play at the, the biggest level, playing in Champions League and, yeah, all these, you know, all these kinds of competitions. You've had a pretty intense, I don't know, I guess 18 months or yeah. so. Like, how would you describe what the last 18 months has been like just to, to process? 
Yeah, it's been a crazy, I mean, from the start of my career, it's been crazy, you know, it's been an upward trend and I'm really proud of all the, the steps I've taken as a player and, and learning and growing and I think I'm still growing and I think I have a lot of room to grow. Can you just start uh, kind of at the beginning? Where did you grow up? Um, you know, what was your sort of introduction to soccer? How did that come to be? I grew up in Medford, New Jersey, a pretty small town. Everybody knows each other, and yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big soccer town, and I started playing for Medford Soccer Club. My dad had me involved, and I was always watching it, and I'd do extra training at a really young age, and he'd have me doing it, he'd be out there with me, and yeah, I think from a young age, I felt like I was maybe a little bit better than most of the kids. So at what, what point along the way did you start to realize, okay, like, this is not just, I'm a little bit better, like, I could play for a club team, there might be some interest, you know, like, when did that happen? Yeah, like, I've always been a kid that thinks in the moment, but, I mean, I think towards when I started playing with the second team, I was like, okay, this could be real, you know, but it was always a dream of mine. What do you remember about the first time you heard that a European club was looking at you? I saw some things on the internet were probably weren't true at the time, but they were interested, some teams that were interested, but, yeah, I heard from my agent the first time that they, some teams were interested in me, and just ecstatic, and just thinking about all the hard work I had gone through and all the sacrifices I made to, to get to the point that I am, and, yeah, it was, it was a huge moment for me. What was it like to arrive there? And, you know, it's a new soccer situation, but it's also a new life situation. Yeah, it's a totally different way of life in Europe, you know, and especially in Austria, it's, it's totally different. Um, the city of Salzburg is just a super, super really nice, really old city. A lot of there's an older people kind of scene there, so it's not as young and as hip as it is in Philly. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it was different. And <laughs> me having to learn to live on my own, cook for myself, figure out how to put furniture together, do all these little things. It's it's different for me, you know? I think the first time I was in the grocery store, I probably spent like two hours there trying to get everything together. And yeah, I think just the way of life in general, it's just a culture shock when you first get there. Did you have any like nerves about, okay, I'm in Europe, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Can I perform at the level that, you know, allows me to stay here and, and go bigger? Yeah, of course there's nerves. I think when you're getting on the flight, you're just thinking about, oh, will I be able to play? Will I make it over here? Like you hear about a lot of players that don't make it, all these kinds of things, and that always goes through your head. But for me, it was just thinking positive and knowing the player I am and what I can do. And yeah, just going into the, to the team myself, you know, be myself. And yeah, I think it worked out for me. And I also had Jesse Marsh there at the time. He's another American. He played for, he, I mean, he played in the league. He coached Red Bull, so he was a big help to me. At what point did you feel like, okay, I'm on the radar for the national team? At what point did that sort of enter your mind? Honestly, when I got called up for the first time, I wasn't expecting it. It was October. I think Greg had seen me been playing in the MLS, been playing well. I had some good U23 camps, and I think that's when I first got kind of on the radar. But I really wasn't expecting that at the time. But to be called in and just be a part of the group and get to meet a lot of the guys, it was an awesome experience for me. What was it like to get that call from him? And I yeah. mean, were you just sort of, when you saw the number, were you kind of like, whoa, what's happening? Well, it came up as an unknown number at first. So I, I was like, okay, it's, it's a random call. It could be good. It could be a telemarketer. So I think I'm going to pick it up just to make sure. And yeah, it was an awesome, awesome talk with him. And yeah, there were so many emotions that came after that. How would you describe your game? Like, what, what are the things that you know you can do well that you can bring to this team? Yeah, like, the ways that I would describe myself is just energetic. I like to get after. I'm, I'm relentless. I like to just, I like to make stuff happen always, you know, with the ball at my feet or running in behind. And I think the biggest thing for me is just, just always making stuff happening and just being busy. Greg has described your game as the kind that's annoying to yeah. play or coach against. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming you would take that as a compliment? Yeah, for sure. I think that anybody that anybody that I've talked to says that I'm like a little pest, I guess you can say. I'm always around them. I'm always making runs. Yeah, just doing things with the ball. And yeah, I think that's a good way of putting my game in a good way. 
but yeah, I mean, that's how I play, and I just I want to help the team always. You've had you know a, a lot of memorable moments already, and yeah. only like a dozen or so <laughs> appearances. What stands out for you, you know, of this sort of short time period? What are the ones that are going to be you know sort of permanently in your brain? Yeah, I think. Even though I didn't get in the game, I think the Nations League win over Mexico, being a part of that game, being part of a USA-Mexico game was an awesome experience for me. And personally, I think my goal against Canada, um, it was awesome to get that goal to go ahead and qualifying. I know it ended up in a tie, but in the moment to hear the crowd, to have your teammates come running up to you and stuff, it's just an, it's an awesome, awesome feeling. How would you describe that goal? I mean, do you remember it sort of coming together? Like, what Yeah. What do you see when you think of it? I see just myself. Uh, I think the center back got it, and I knew I could press him and maybe nick it off him, and, and I did, and it went to Jordan. Jordan laid it to Christian. Christian got fouled, and then it was played out wide to Kellen, and then Anthony came around and came, did it overlap and came around, and then he played the ball, and then it was a cross, and I was just in the right place at the right time. Must have felt pretty good. I mean, like... To see it in the back of the yeah, net. Yeah, it was just a relief, you know. It was a tough game the entire game, and then to get that go-ahead goal, it was a really awesome feeling. For the, you know, sort of the MLS fans um, who are, have followed your career, what can they expect from your brother? Is he following kind of the same path, it seems like, or at least the early stages? Yeah, you see me smiling because he had just scored. And, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of my brother. I've been playing with him my entire life. He's my biggest rival in our little sessions that we have and yeah he's he's an amazing player and I think he's got such an amazing future with the union and anywhere else that he goes with his career but I am yeah, I'm, I'm super happy for him and he's just got to keep performing like he has. How do you compare like as players you know yeah. who, who, who has the, what strengths and who has what weaknesses? Honestly I think we're a lot alike. Um, <laughs> we move a lot of people say we move the same and we look the same on the field because we're both a little skinny and lanky and yeah, I think that, I mean, I would say we're uh, like the same player. I mean, he's got this final third touch to him, and I think I'm developing that. And, yeah, I think that he's just an amazing player the way he is. With this young core that the national team has, yeah. obviously it's a very different feel to the team than it was when there were veterans around. Yeah. What does it feel like to be a part of a group where there is such sort of a youthful presence? Yeah, it's fun. You know, everybody's always making jokes, cracking jokes. We're always having a good time as a team, and that's what you need, you know, when you're getting away from these games. It's always high pressure, all these kinds of things, and it's it's tough sometimes. But to just come back and have a great time with the guys and smile, it, it always refreshes you. You're playing at a position where the U.S. has a lot of depth, has a lot yeah. of talent. Was there ever a point along the way where you were sort of like, man, you know, if I was just playing you know a different spot yeah. maybe I would be breaking through even sooner yeah I feel like I can even play the center mid position I feel like I can play that too I feel like I have some different positions in me I mean I play the 10 at my club which is a center mid and it's almost like a false nine I play play that at my club so yeah it's it's different for me and coming here I, I love playing winger too and I can make runs behind I can be busy I can get on the ball so yeah I mean it was never like looking at that and being like oh yeah Christian's there like it's gonna be tough for me to get in I understand that you know he's an unbelievable player so it's finding ways to get on the field even with maybe him here and Gio was here and that kind of thing from Medford Soccer Club all the way to the Premier League. How about that for Brendan Aronson? Started out at Bethlehem Steel, then Philadelphia Union, then Red Bull Salzburg, now on to Leeds. Herc, he is moving on up. But the question is, is he the U.S. national team's fastest rising star? So imagine the stock market. Is he the stock that's going up the quickest? No, he's not. 
But he's uh, definitely uh, one of my favorite players. Let me tell you whose stock is the one that's, because we're thinking global. So if you're thinking about whose mm -hmm. stock is going up the quickest in the world's eyes, well, it's Giovanni Reina. And it's been that way for quite some time. 19 years old. Uh, and you don't have Cristiano Ronaldo voting for you for Golden Boy if your stock isn't high. So I'm thinking globally, star. But when I think about Brendan Aronson, I think winner, I think successful. I think where has this kid not succeeded? I mean, he's been in the USL for a little bit, then goes to Major League Soccer, succeeds in his own right with the Philadelphia Union, succeeds in his own right with Salzburg when he's there. The, the, I go back to the game versus Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Uh, he was the best player on the field. Hmm. Not for Salzburg, the best player on the field. And now he's one of the first players to get that big money move to the English Premier League with a team like Leeds. Uh, he's definitely on the rise. His stock is up. But global, I go Geo. But right now, is there a player hotter here in the United States for the U.S. men's national team than Brendan Aronson? Hard-pressed to find one. Dude, I was thinking of alternative options. Gio Reyna didn't even cross my mind because when I think stocks, I'm thinking, well, certainly recent performance, right? Like the last year has definitely not been Gio Reyna's year. Through no fault of his own, it's injuries, right, that, that's kept him off the field. But I don't think we can really say that right now his stock is soaring. I think you can say that You changed about the question. Fastest growing star, right? Not stock. Right now. Right now. I mean, is Gio Reyna's stock soaring right now? Would you, you say that after the year stock. that he's had? The key word there is star. <laughs> Come back to me, Seb. What is wrong? All right, let's move on. Let's book it. USA Grenada, 10 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus Friday. Do not miss it. Herc, what's your bet? Uh, what is my bet here? Let's see. You went fast on this. It is. Oh, here it is. I got a good one. It's uh, either team to score a goal or an own goal, excuse me, at plus 550. Now, why? Because this is going to be a game where the U.S. has a lion's share of the play, especially in overall third, especially in front of the Granada goal. So much play, so much action. I've already seen this move before. It's one of these Granada defenders, sticks a leg out, a leg out and it's ball in. And it's plus 550. I want to make my mm. people some money. So overwhelming attack for the U.S. because they're favored on paper and they should route Granada, respectfully speaking, to Granada. So a lot of action. I just think at plus 550, that's good action. Give me a final score prediction here, because I was looking at some of the spreads. Uh, I wonder what you think this will end up at. Ah, three, four, zero. Now, I, I, let me just tell you something about this game, Seb. We were looking at prop bets. Mm -hmm. You couldn't even get a prop bet money line winner for the United States men's national team, because like the sports books weren't even taking that. I'm looking at the spreads here. Minus three and a half, right? You said three or four. Pays out minus 340. Right? Yeah. That's not very good. To really yeah. get a good payout on the U.S., you got to go to minus six and a half. That's steep. Wow. Uh, and you get a, a plus 265. All right, what am I taking here? Uh, there's a couple things that popped up to me, but I think I'm going to – I haven't had a winner, Herc, in a while. So, so <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me get safe here, okay? Let me, let me just make sure I recoup some money. All right, uh, U.S. to keep the clean sheet. It's Grenada. They're 170th in the world. I know we don't take the FIFA rankings to heart all that much, but there's a huge gap here. I think if, if this U.S. team – and what do they tell us, Herc? It's going to be pretty much – the best that Greg Berhalter has at his disposal. If they can't keep a clean sheet against Grenada, I think we got some, some bigger problems. So I'll take that, that minus 300. Another prop bet that jumped out to me, or another bet that jumped out to me, was which would be the higher scoring half. To me, I think it's pretty obvious it would be the first half, right? Because the U.S. is going to roll all over Grenada and then maybe, maybe call off the dogs in the second half. First I mean, half is paying yeah. off here. Let me, let me see this. The first half is paying off here at what? Plus 185, the second half at minus 155. Am I crazy? 
Take that plus 185, take that first half. Yeah, take the plus 185. I don't know about that clean sheet bet, because that's that's pretty steep if you want to make some money, but I, you see, I know what you're trying to get at. If, if Grenada can score, uh, versus the U.S. men's national team. What will that say versus a World Cup opponent? I know where you're going. I know the way your mind thinks, Seb. That's mm -hmm. just a steep price. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna. You're gonna have to bet a lot to win a lot. But uh, that's how it is with something like that. Hey, Herco, when is this game? Tomorrow. That's right. Friday. And where is it? Where is it? It's right here on ESPN Plus. Coverage starts 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 o'clock Pacific. Don't miss a single minute of the action as the U.S. faces off against Grenada in the Concacaf. Nations League. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I guess we're gluttons for uh, L3 punishment on this show. The senior team's not doing well, so let's focus in on the under-20s. They're at the uh, Toulon tournament in France, facing off against the hosts Thursday in the semifinals. Oh. Early chance here for Mexico. Didn't miss by much. Why didn't you play the ball? Things would only get worse. France scoring in the 13th minute. Yeah, but you got a chance to play your teammate 1v1 with the goalkeeper and you don't, and then this happens. Unlucky rebound to give up, first goal. Mexico actually had a lot of success in this tournament, in the group phase anyway. They beat uh, Ghana and Indonesia. Their only loss coming to Venezuela. Shout out to our good friend uh, Alejandro Moreno. But really, Herc, in this game against France, they were no match, down 3-0 at the half hour mark. No, ugh. obvious skill and size difference between the two. You got... A powerful nation at all levels. And look, Efra, go ahead, Efra. Efra That's got his right. goal. El gol del honor. Efrain Alvarez, the Galaxy Man, scoring there. Pretty well taken. Very well taken. But if you want to see well taken, look at this goal. Look how he shapes it around the defender. Oh. 4-1 then the final score as Mexico loses to France in the semifinals of the Toulon tournament. Now the Maurice Revelo. So what's the final then on Sunday? France against Venezuela. There is a third place game in this uh, also on Sunday. Mexico will be facing off against Colombia, who lost in penalties in the semifinals. Sticking with the youth national teams, Ana Galindo making history. She's the first woman to manage a Mexican national team, doing so at the under 17 level as Mexico, get this, her beat Uruguay 2-0. Yeah, preparing for that U-17 World Cup, this is awesome. It's Listen, in a country like Mexico, for something like this to happen, it is very taboo. It is very uh, out of the ordinary. Uh, more like Ana Galindo and much power and luck to her. Absolutely. Hey, she can beat Uruguay. She's already <laughs> done something the, uh, the senior national team manager uh, couldn't quite do just a few days ago. Speaking of the senior team, her training in Mexico City ahead of their Nations League opener against Suriname. That'll be actually not in Mexico City. That'll be Saturday in Torreon. Herc, I'm sure you're excited about that. That's right. My Laguneros deserve a game. That's right. Uh, also exciting, birthday news. Diego Linus turning 22 on Thursday. Herc, what a moment. 22 years old, and that's uh, 1,328 days since his last league goal. He needs wow. a transfer. He needs a transfer. 
He needs a transfer. Too much talent. Friends like you who needs enemies on his birthday. On his I'm birthday, I'm trying to get Hercules. him to go elsewhere. I'm the one sticking up for him. All right, so for the U.S. segment, we had you pick your 11 for the Nations League. I'm going to pick my 11 as well. And I have to say, when I first started looking at the list, it's a totally different <laughs> proposition from the U.S. It's like, holy mackerel, this is slim pickings. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's take a look at what I'm calling my Herc by default 11 uh, for the Nations League. Big game coming up against Suriname. Big game, of course, uh, in quotation marks. All right, so I'm going David Ochoa at the back, Kevin Alvarez, Jesus Angulo, Israel Reyes, and Eric Aguirre. Midfield, looking at this as a 4-2-3-1. Um, Cordova and Luis Chavez there in my contención. We're not going to talk about those guys too much. Cordova for me is just a, a last chance saloon, bro. You can't do it here. We can move on, at least for now, from a player that at one point I thought had a pretty bright future. Then if you look at the attacking line, ooh, that's where I'm getting crazy. Uh, I was actually going to go Lainez Flores wide, Pineda through the middle, Orbelin through the middle, uh, and then Jimenez up top, Santiago Jimenez, Chaquito there uh, as your lone striker. Herc, uh, any thoughts there just quickly before we dive into some of the big individual decisions? Uh, no issue with your back line. I, I think the graphics designer mixed up Aguirre and Alvarez right there in positions. Uh, David yes. Ochoa, David Ochoa, who is being frozen out by Ralph Salt Lake because yes. he doesn't want to sign a contract to extend his stay uh, is not been playing so interested to see what David Ochoa can provide there very interested to see what he can provide there because uh, it's been quite some time since we've seen him so that's it's gonna be a big opportunity if he has it Seb yeah so that's why I went with David Ochoa there because I know you know he's just been called in he's effectively being called in as the third maybe it's unlikely that we would see him but this is basically for me like proof of life uh, he hasn't played for RSL he hasn't been on the bench for RSL I don't think since April right now he's playing Monarchs. MLS next pro this is a player who oh, needs to yeah. play Apologies. and and right now I mean we talk about maybe building a guy's confidence I think this is the game where as a goalie you might get some confidence right yeah. you're not going to get a lot of work so that's why I'm going with Ochoa here the best goalies of, of this trio for me is Acevedo um, I want to see him but I'm comfortable to wait for the away match against Jamaica because I want to see him tested, right? I don't want to see Ochoa tested. I just want to see him play at a decent level. Uh, with Acevedo, I want to see him tested because right now, for me, he's ahead of Cota for number three, and honestly, he should probably be ahead of Talavera for number two. If Mexico's really going to have a backup goalie that's 40 years old playing for Bravos, I'm, I'm nervous, bro. I'm nervous. Yeah. Um, a little issue with Cordova and Chavez. Uh, you're lacking defensive bite, if you will. And, and Cordova, you talk about... <laughs> Did I, do you know who we're playing? Do you know they're playing? Oh, Suriname, do they need defensive bite? Oh, hold on, hold on. You, you spoke about... Uh, you spoke about... Well, I saw him play against Jamaica. <laughs> they make it entertaining, I'll tell you what. Uh, you talk about proof of life? Cordova, that's somebody who needs yep. this badly. Yep. That's why I put him in there, right? I, I put him in there because I really want to see if he's got anything left. The downhill trajectory for that player uh, has been so severe, so overwhelming that this is really, as I said, you know, last opportunity for yeah. him to get on, on any type of, of list, watch list, for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. That next line for me is is, is really exciting, it's right? But it's exciting, a lot of Seb. potential. It's, it's, it's like paper exciting. But it's the most exciting. And, and, and that's where I think you, along with so many others, mm -hmm. want to see what that's about. Marcelo Flores, please, let's see what that's about. Orbelin Pineda, uh, where has he been? Uh, Diego Linus. Santiago Jimenez, it almost seems like the front line of promise, but so much promise. Yeah. Yeah, now those are the two guys that you really want to see. For me, Linus, you know, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. This is a moment, too. We talk about players who need to move. 
a guy who needs a move also needs a shop window, right? And what better shop window than an international game against, let's be honest, uh, far inferior competition where a guy like Linus could really stand out. Um, so that's a pretty obvious one for me. Uh, you mentioned that the, the graphic is a little bit switched up. We got Kevin Alvarez at, at left back. He should be right back. Aguirre, who's basically supplanted Gallardo at left back with Rayados, uh, should obviously be in there uh, at left back. I went with Alvarez. Julian Araujo is also on this list. Between those two, who would you rather be seeing right now? I think Kevin Alvarez. I like. Yeah. Yeah, I like Julian, but Julian's not exactly been having the strongest campaign with Los Angeles. I, I think there's Julian for for a long time, but Kevin, the way he's exploded onto the scene with Pachuca, I want to see a little bit more of that. I know what Julian gives me, at least me. Yeah, yeah. No, I like Kevin Alvarez. I like what he can bring you giving forward. But I think those two positions, right back, still very much up for grabs. And Aguirre, maybe a, a little bit more of an outside shot. But let's be honest, Herc, that left back position is also up for grabs as well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Gallardo, has done, Gallardo excuse me, has done himself any favors in the last year. No. And then finally up top, again, it's kind of by default. I'm going with Santiago Jimenez. Um, what are my other options? Henry Martin, I know what he can do. I certainly know what he can do against competition like Suriname. And then what? Rodolfo Pizarro as a false nine. Is that really my other option? I will never, ever, 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 to quote Taylor Swift, take that option. I want to see Santiago Jimenez. I want him to get confidence because I want him to roll into not just potential games for Mexico, but also the coming season with a little bit of confidence. What if he could be the starter for Cruz Azul, get hot, and, and maybe push somebody like Raul Jimenez? I, I've got no Taylor Swift quotes to come back at you with. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all it took. That's all it took here on Football Americas for me to uh, to render you silence. But really, that's the truth here, right? There's just not a lot to pick from. That's what Tata Martino has now, done. He's, he's going with the, okay, with the young guys. Okay, let me guys, ask you very quickly. The bubble boys. If Diego Linus, if Santiago Jimenez, the guys who've already had opportunities, mm -hmm. can't do it at this level, what will that tell you? No, no, it's panic stations, bro. It's absolute panic stations uh, if they can't get it done uh, in the Nations League, especially for a guy like Diego Linus. Marcelo Flores, I might cut him a little bit more right. slack, but a guy like Linus, uh, it's now. It's now. You want it? It's now. The World Cup is five months away, you know. Uh, no more time to waste. Speaking of the World Cup coming five months away, a, a lot of Mexico fans might be worried based on how Mexico is playing. But here's something to, uh, to lift your spirits. Did you see what Belgium hurt? did to Poland on Wednesday. It started well for the Poles. Robert Lewandowski getting a goal. You keep hearing Robert Lewandowski and Diezmas, 10 more. Well, <laughs> that was the case until it wasn't. Look at Witzel, it's a nice shot between traffic. Nobody there to clean up, to follow up the defense for Poland there. I was surprised. So of course this was Group D action in the Nations oh League. Poland, goodness. after grabbing that uh, one nothing lead, allowed six, Herc, six unanswered. So. Uh, let's turn this, of course, into a negative question. Who has looked worse? Which Group C team from the World Cup looked worse over the last week or so? Mexico or Poland? Why are you doing this? Uh, Mexico. Now, bear nah. with me. Listen, bear with Six. me. Six! Six! Bear with me. Bear with me, okay? It was 1-1 to the 59th minute in Belgium. They were winning in Belgium, and then it was tied in Belgium, till it wasn't. In 30 minutes, they unraveled. I'm talking about unraveled to one of the best teams in the world. A team that's played in the semifinal in the World Cup, a team that's played in the, in the quarterfinals of the Euros, a, a team that still has some of the best offensive players in the world, Seb, okay? We mm -hmm. keep hearing 
okay? And I'm gonna take you right now to Mexico, and you've, I don't even take you to Mexico. You've seen what Mexico hasn't been able to do uh, lately. You've seen all the worries, you know about all the problems. They keep saying it's Robert Lewandowski, Iviesmas, and 10 more. I asked this question out on Nunca. Okay, if it's Robert Lewandowski and 10 more, what is Mexico? And you know what the response from our Mauricio <laughs> Pedrosa was? He, he jokingly, and la while laughing, said, Memo Ochoa y diez más. Yep. There's the yep. difference right there. It's so even between the two. Honestly, eating six versus Belgium, I could see it happening to a lot of different teams. But it's the player they have up top. And honestly, they've got quite a few special players, if I'm being honest. But this, this is, to me, the most important game that Mexico will have that very first game. So Poland shipped six to Belgium, and a Belgium without Lukaku hurt. I mean... What, what, what happens if he's there? No, I know you're going to tell me well, maybe maybe they score less. Is, maybe, that, yeah. is that what you're going to tell me? Is Lukaku today or back in Inter? Uh, let's just say it's, it's also not... I know you say they're one of the best teams in the world. I know the FIFA rankings tell us that. There's some recent history. I think the quarterfinals at the Euros was a big disappointment. But uh, they also got host 4-1 by Netherlands just a few yeah. days prior. So this isn't a dominant Belgium team. Well, uh, I don't think things that, happen. Okay. Okay. You, wait, okay. you, you see the offensive firepower. They, they, they're so good. I mean, in, in tight spaces, you're going to sit with a team like that. You're just going to absorb pressure. You're going to bend until you finally break, and that's what happened uh, with Poland. I, do, you, do you look at this performance and say, I take something away from this, and Mexico can definitely win? Definitely win? No, but I okay. feel a lot better. I mean, a lot better about playing against Poland after seeing that 6-1 against Belgium. I agree with you. That is going to be the game that decides who comes out of this group second. Uh, Mexico has to win it. And yeah. I thought Poland was going to be a very formidable foe. They may still well be that, Herc, but man... Shipping six against Belgium without Lukaku, that's, that's a big worry. It hasn't really been a great international window for anybody uh, in Group C other than Argentina. Not only has Poland struggled, not only has Mexico struggled, Saudi Arabia yeah. struggled. They lost to Colombia and Venezuela 180 minutes without a goal for them either. So if you're looking for goals, maybe Group C at the World Cup uh, is not going to be it unless Poland's playing and they're, and they're shipping a whole lot of them. All right, uh, let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, more on El Tri. Rafa Marquez making headlines in a recent interview. Actually making headlines for quite a few things in this recent interview, but we're going to focus specifically on his comments about Cesar Montes, of course, who also plays central defense. And most recently wore, for the first time in his career with the senior national team, the captain's armband against Uruguay. All right, so let's listen in to what Marquez had to say about Montes. Sí, sí, la tiene un gran calidad, pero no sé si tenga el carácter como para ser ese ese líder que necesita la selección, ¿no? Yo yo he dicho que sí hay líderes, pero son diferentes tipos de liderazgos los que hay y quizás no son tan imponentes como era entonces García Aspe o un Claudio Suárez. All right, Herc, something, nothing, or everything. Rafa Marquez, the legend's comments about Cesar Montes. That's nothing. I mean, it's not even a shot in my eyes. Mm. He's saying that they're just different ways of leading, that he may not be that type of guy. It's funny, though, that Rafa Marquez, a center back, great center back uh, in his own right, in his own time, if he were to say something about leadership, would single out 
Cesar Montes, especially in today's climate with the Mexican national team, where that seems to be a hot button topic. You're hearing a lot of things about leadership, whether it's about Memo Ochoa, Andres Guardado, and we've not seen too much from Hector Moreno. Uh, we've not seen too much from Edson Alvarez. You could say the most, I guess, leadership type of moment Edson Alvarez has had is when he got angry at uh, Matt Miazga for making the short uh, gesture with Diego Linus. That's about the most personality you've seen from Edson Alvarez. It, this is a very different Mexican national team. It's not like Rafa's old Mexican national team where he mentioned Claudio Suarez, he mentioned Beto Aspe, you can go back and you can say guys like uh, Cuauhtémoc Blanco, that type of leader where the blood boils, they don't have that. But I thought, I, I, saw, I thought it very funny that he singled out Cesar Montes for that, who in my eyes has been the best defender the Mexican mm. national team has had this cycle. Yeah, it's not, for me, it's not nothing because I do see it as a shot. I, I really do see it as, as like, why would you attack this guy singularly for his leadership style, a young player who's wearing the captain's armband for the first time? But I think we have to put it in the context of the interview. This was like an explosive Rafa Marquez interview where he went after everybody. He said uh, his Atlas back in the day played better than the Bicampeon Atlas. Uh, he said he hated they his did. time. They didn't win they, anything, though. Okay, okay. And that's the important point. Even if you think that, if an Atlas team just after 70 years won a Bicampeonato, you can't say your team was better. I'm sorry. He also complained about his time in MLS. He said everybody in MLS wasn't trying. He was the only one that was being professional. It was his biggest regret. He was flaming everybody in this interview. So to me, Herc, it is something. I don't know that I put a lot of stock in the criticism. I don't believe that Cesar Montes doesn't have uh, leadership skills, but it is something. And for me, the something is a disappointment. Rafa Marquez should be a positive figure in Mexican soccer. He should be an ambassador. He should be somewhere leading the way, carrying the flag as he always did during his playing career. This, this is what we're hearing of him. When was the last time he was in our show? The, the Licha Cervantes story when we were talking about how he gave her an insulting offer to pay her more money yeah. when he was in charge of Atlas. I mean, it's so disappointing that this megastar, the guy that we have the debates about, is he the greatest of all time? This is how he's surfacing in the news? Well, he's also a TV pundit. This is what TV pundits do. They, they share their opinions, and he happens to think that Javier Martin, or Javier Martinez, Javier Hernandez should be back with the national team. He happens to think that his time in New York was a waste of time for him, specifically in New York. I didn't take from it as a whole in Major League Soccer. Uh, this is what he does. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I actually much in, rather enjoy this side of Rafa Marquez. I just didn't understand this about Cesar Montes. He also said uh, Jorge Campos greater than Memo Ochoa. So there you have it. Old man yelling at clouds. That's, oh, that's Jorge Rafa Campos, Marquez. man. Especially. Oh, that's right. Come on. You, know, you know a thing or two about being an old man yelling at clouds. Lots to talk yeah. about Orbelin Pineda's future after his, let's call it, unsuccessful stint. I think that's fair at Celta de Vigo in La Liga. He's 26 years old. There's, of course, lots of interest back in Mexico, primarily uh, at Chivas, where he was before Cruz Azul. Herc, it's always a discussion when a player goes over to Europe and doesn't find that success. Should they stay and fight or return, in this case, to Liga Mekis and Chivas? You know, you and I were talking about this actually before we went on air, and you said Jurgen Klinsmann came on here, and what was it, like five months ago, and what mm -hmm. he said about Ricardo Pepe, you, you have to be very careful because it's a World Cup year. You want to be active, you want to be playing, it's a World Cup year. So I always go back to that when we talk about things like this. Uh, Celta de Vigo 
Chacho Calder, the head coach for Celta, it's clear. He didn't ask for Orbelín Pineda. He doesn't want Orbelín Pineda. He's spoken bad about Orbelín Pineda. You saw a miss that he had on there. Look at this. He's averaging 13 minutes per appearance in seven games. The reality is he's played 93 minutes in those seven games. Okay, the most was like 20 something minutes in that game where he happened to miss that shot where then Chacho Cadet took a shot at Orbelín Pineda. He needs to play. It's out of sight, out of mind. I mean, in the time that Orbelín Pineda has been away in Europe with Celta not playing, Charlie Rodriguez has taken advantage of his opportunity in Cruz Azul and with the Mexican national team. Marcelo Flores has surfaced. You've got guys like uh, Luis, uh, Luis Chavez from Pachuca who are a sudden in the mix. They're, they're all of a sudden guys who are making a name for themselves and you want to go into that offensive trident Alexis Vega had a great year with Chivas so while you're not playing others are and it's a World Cup year yeah it's so counterintuitive I would never ever tell a player especially a player from Mexico's pool yeah. that does not have enough players in Europe to leave Europe to come back to Liga MX. Um, but I think we have to look at it if you're just thinking about the player here he needs a place immediately where he's going to get playing time because he is in a in a fierce competition probably not to make this team work but either to get minutes as a sub or potentially even break into that starting 11 i believe he's in both of those conversations so he's got to find something that's almost guaranteed playing time and the reality or the likelihood that you're going to find that in europe right now whether it's celta de vigo or anywhere else is just way too slim specifically chivas though I think there's a risk there, too, isn't there? It's not like Chivas is a smoothly run operation. You're going to come right in. You may be guaranteed playing time, but you may be playing in a mess. Yeah, but you bet on yourself. I mean, Querétaro, he had success. And then he goes to Chivas, he had success. He was a champion there. He goes to Cruz Azul, he had success. Uh, this is a player that's found success everywhere he's gone at the club level, except for Celta. I think you bet on yourself here. All right, let's move on from Chivas to America, who looked uh, close to a... I'm not going to call it big. A signing of their <laughs> own. Look, they look set to give Jurgen Dahm a six-month deal, according to reports out of Mexico. He's been of lifting, course, huh? I, dude, he's on the SEBI weightlifting plan, apparently. <laughs> uh, that most recently, of course, with Atlanta United, who bought out his contract in February. Herc, let's go big picture here. Let's go meta. What does this news tell us about where Club America stands overall? Seb, this tells us... What the majority of pundits and fans around the league already know, but America fans don't want to acknowledge. Times have changed. America is no longer that big spender where the refuerzos are bombas, where they are just huge, massive players where they get to spend and they get to bring in to their fans' hearts' delight. They have to be frugal with their money. I know you hate hearing this, but this is a reality. Why other teams are being linked to a Cavani, a Toluca, mind you. Why other teams nabbed a Gignac, why other teams nabbed a, a Florian Tovan. You're being linked, and I don't wanna say you, America's being linked with Giovanni Dos Santos, who's not played in a year. <laughs> with Jurgen Dam, who was in a contract dispute and got sent to Atlanta United 2, an MLS Next Pro. This is a reality today for America. And I, don't, I know you don't want to hear that. I know America fans don't want to hear this. But they're no longer in the upper echelon of those we're going to bring in the refuerzos bombas. It's a reality, Herc. It's a reality here. So I never, ever again, because it's a reality I've heard from you for about, I don't know, the 34th time on this show. 
So the next time that I tell you I don't have high expectations for America, or the next time I tell you that they were last place in a season and getting to the semifinals is not a fracaso, I'm just listening to you, bro. I'm just listening to what you're telling me all the time. America is no longer the big spender. They're no longer the big club in Mexico when it comes yeah, to money. I don't decide so my the expectations. expectations should go down, shouldn't I they? I don't decide the expectations. You do. You Americanistas do. And you're the ones who keep saying you are a club grande. And as a grande... You are required to do certain things. That's America, not true at all. That's not true at all. I sat on this show and I said it wasn't true. a fracaso that they went out in the semifinals. And you screamed so back at me. I don't make the rules. I don't put the expectations on America. They do themselves. When Santiago Baños, when whoever the coach is saying our obligation is to lift a trophy, to lift a tournament cup, when they say any trophy we go for, we have to win, that is the expectation they put on themselves. Do you understand that? That mm -hmm. is an expectation that historically they've put. And in the present, they are putting on themselves. We are holding them to that standard. Okay. An ancient standard. Uh, let's look at some of the expenditures here <laughs> from America. Because there, there is a big spend on Diego Valdez. They spent like 10 or $11 million, yeah. um, on that player. But that's yeah. really like the isolated incident over the last two years. In fact, other than him, they haven't spent more than $5 million bucks uh, on any player other than the last a couple of years. Here's their last big signing. Richard Sanchez, that was for $7 million in the 1920 season. Their last big, big, big summer was the 18-19 season. They spent a combined $23 million on Roger Martinez, Nico Castillo, and Nicolás Benedetti. I mean, that, that type of expenditure, $23 million on three players, seems like a world a lifetime ago and an impossibility now in the presence of America. I'm looking at the guy they're linked to now, Pablo Solari, a 21-year-old yeah, Argentine like four and a half, who's what I'm playing hearing. in Chile. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy, you're right, who's got a value of, of two, three, max $4 million. This is not a huge prospect, and that's probably the guy they're going to get, let alone a guy that they're kicking, kicking stones on, which is if somebody like you they will get Pablo Solari. If they're lucky, because Pablo Solari was balling against River and Libertadores. So okay. Berterrame is another name being thrown out there, but... That's so there you go. Uh, America does not have the money that they used to. They're still linked to some big names. Uh, they're just big names on the, on the downside of their career in Jurgen Dam and Giovanni Dos Santos. To Major League Soccer, it's official. Adam Buxa is leaving the New England Revolution, heading for the French top flight. The 25-year-old Polish international scored 29 goals in 64 MLS appearances for New England. They're going to sell him for a reported $10 million, Herc. They bought him for a reported 4.6. Good business. Mexico rival, that's also Tejan Buchanan and Matt Turner. Belgium, EPL, now League Un. That's a lot of chicken for New England. MLS on TV this weekend, Saturday on ABC and ESPN Deportes. It's Charlotte against the New York Red Bulls. That one available also streaming live on the ESPN app. And then Sunday, also 3 p.m. Eastern time on ABC and ESPN Deportes. Again, it's Sporting Kansas City against the aforementioned New England Revolution. Don't miss any of it. All right, Herc, to the NWSL, the Orlando Pride have placed head coach Amanda Cromwell and first assistant Sam Green on temporary administrative leave amid an investigation into reported retaliation that would go against NWSL's policy aimed at eliminating workplace discrimination, harassment, and bullying. Cromwell, the latest in a long line of NWSL coaches facing discipline. Here's Yeah, you know, first I want to give a lot of credit 
to the players for coming together and demanding this to happen after a long time, to forming a union after so many years being in this league without there being a union. It's something that players like me who are playing overseas don't want to come and play to a league that doesn't protect its players. And so I think to be a part of this movement last year where it's like we've had enough and then to see the league take that on board and to try to go through really good processes to make sure that players are being listened to and then, you know, reading the language coming out of Orlando, you know, with, with whether it's retaliation, whether it's discrimination, I mean, these are very serious things that need to be looked into. And, you know, our greatest hope as players is, again, that we can play the sport we love. We're already fighting in society to be treated equally, let alone, you know, to not be, to be afraid to be um, retaliated against or to be discriminated or sexually abused. That's the last thing you should be worrying about in your workplace um, when we already are up against a lot. So I, I, of course, want to give credit to first the players, but then the league and especially our union, um, the NWSLPA. I think they have listened and they have taken on so much for us um, with Megan Burke at the, at the helm of that. So I am disappointed every time I see news of an investigation, but it also is a sign that we've been heard and that, um, you know, there are processes in place now. That, of course, uh, Allie Riley. She used to play for Orlando, now with uh, Angel City answering questions after their game on Wednesday night. World Cup qualifying tournament starts July 4th down in Mexico. Mexico will open up against Jamaica at El Volcan. You know who won't be there, Herc? Charlene Corral, somebody you've been calling for for a long time. She's been left off Mexico's preliminary roster for the tournament, despite the fact that there's space for 60 players. <laughs> All right, we got to ask the tough questions here. Is Monica Vergara, the coach of Mexico's women's national team, making a mistake leaving Charlene Corral off the roster for this huge tournament? Absolutely. I mean, it's a... Prelim roster of 60 players and Charin Coral, who's only 30 years of age, still very much in her prime, isn't good enough to make it into your roster of 60. Coming off a calendar year where she scored 17 goals and took Pachuca to a final, a player with a massive European and national team, extensive national team resume, can't get into a 60 player prelim roster. What type of chicharito is this right now? Like, what, what is going on here? You said it. You said it right there with Chicharito. There's, here's a, there's some very similar vibes to all this. Uh, Vergara has hinted in the past that the door is still open for Corral. This would seem to suggest that it's not. If you've got a list of 60 and somebody's name isn't in it, uh, the door isn't open anymore, right? Now, here's the counter. Here's, if you're Vergara, here's your defense. You have a ton of other options. You got Katy Martinez, Katy Killer, who we've, we've seen score a boatload of goals in Mexico. Uh, you got Licha Cervantes, who we also know has been scoring a boatload of goals in Mexico. You got Diana Ordonez, who's playing very well as a hold-up striker right now for North Carolina Courage in the NWSL. So you have a ton Stephanie of Mayor, options there. Yeah, you got, you got players. I, I get but, this. But you need goals at the end of the day. And, and here's what's going to happen. If Mexico doesn't qualify, if they lose to Jamaica and they don't have a goal, they don't have somebody to go to off the bench, that's when this decision is going to haunt you. If you bring her into the 60 and you take her to the tournament, if you're Vergara, you're not going to get criticized. This opens the door. You know what it opens the door to is criticism. This is going to be a decision that will really, really be analyzed if Mexico fails to qualify. There's only one person on this roster who scored more goals than Charlene. One person. That's Licha. 
She's the only person, she's the only goal scorer that scored more goals than Charlene. Charlene Coral is a goal scorer with a crazy resume at that level, who's only 30 years of age. This, to me, screams off-field. Something happened in that Leo Cuellar era, and and it's most likely because she was vocal about the displeasure of that program going nowhere, and they've held on to that. And they're keep holding on to that, and they are blackballing her for that. Mm, Okay, so uh, Monica Vergara with a big decision and a controversial decision there. Not really a a bunch of controversy in Vladko Andonovsky's decisions, Herc. He also released his preliminary roster for the upcoming CONCACAF W Championship. 59 players total. The vets are back, at least the healthy ones. Megan Rapinoe, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Alex Morgan, who, by the way, is the NWSL Player of the Month. Uh, the bad news, no Katarina Macario, uh, of yeah. course, but who is out with a torn ACL. Sydney LaRue making an appearance on that list, too. There you go. Hey, plenty of names when you got uh, space for 59. Uh, let's see what the team is when it actually has to get trimmed down for the final competition. Parting shot, Hector Herrera. Going to make his Major League Soccer debut one month from today, July 9th, as a Houston Dynamo face FC Dallas. That's right, making his debut in the Texas Derby. Fighting for El Cañón. Here's Hector Herrera. Estoy muy contento, muy ilusionado con, con llegar a, a Houston. Eh, muy ilusionado con el reto que tienen, con el proyecto que tienen, con lo que tú dices de querer volver a hacer un, un equipo importante dentro de la MLS. Eso me ilusiona mucho y Y bueno, después que espero poder volver pronto, yo creo que tendré unas vacaciones después de estos partidos y, y después ya me integraré con el equipo, con, con toda la ilusión y todas las ganas de, de hacer las cosas bien personalmente y poder ayudar al equipo a lograr sus objetivos. All right, folks, mark your calendars. July 9th, Ache Ache makes his MLS debut. Houston Dynamo against FC Dallas. All right, Herc, that's it for us here on Football Américas. Any parting shots, final words from you? They got some talent. They're not as bad as I thought. Alberto Carrasquilla, the Panameño, next to Hector Herrera on a team that's half decent going forward. Could be exciting. Could be fun. Okay. All right. Good luck to all our friends down there in the Bayou City. He's Herc. I'm Seb. Thanks for watching. We will see you on Monday with a full CONCACAF Nations League recap. What you got there? Las Vegas Americans. That's old school. You don't know about this. Pure class. No, no. This is old school. Oh, that's the retro classics. Mm-hmm.